Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, welcome to a new episode of Boots, Balls and Bras with myself, Eartha Pond and the amazing... Farrah Williams. We don't have Beck Smith with us this week, who's away sunning it up in LA, but she'll be back next week uh, with a bang for sure. Um, she has she's getting paid too much. She's got too many holidays. <laughs> we, we need to speak to the tax man, see how she's yeah. getting all these days off because we're not able to do it ourselves. Um, yeah, we're going to have a quick roundup in terms of the fixtures. They have been coming thick and fast and the results yeah, we've got some stuff to talk about in terms of that. Obviously, it's FA Cup weekend. Myself and Farah obviously have an experience in playing in the FA Cup, winning the FA Cup, um, and we'll get to that in our halftime team talk. And then obviously looking forward to the Women's World Cup in the summer. So much talk around TV rights, uh, plays being released for club and country. Um, and yeah, we're really going to get into it in terms of that in our second half. But to kick it off, results this weekend, Faz, I can see you smiling because... We've been back and forth around Mad. what's Trying happening with this up, table. Right? Trying to watch every game on FA Player, <laughs> along with the Sky games, along with the BBC games, along with the Friday nights. We've had everything over this bank holiday. So, But mad in terms of goals scored. Um, been some big, hefty score lines this weekend. I think, well, the, the most important two, I guess, are Chelsea and Arsenal. Sorry, Chelsea and United, both winning. Yeah. Um, Arsenal obviously won on Friday night, big win, even though it was only one nil. But in terms of keeping, you know, in that top three, but I think, yeah, let's let's kick it off with Chelsea seven nil. Chelsea obviously they got the games in hand. United are flying at the top of the league, points on the board, goal difference is much better. But Chelsea had an evening kickoff against Everton, which on paper, after you know having a midweek fixture as well for Chelsea, should have been a difficult game. And they absolutely wiped the floor with Everton, 7-0. You know what, Earth, right? I've been watching Everton this year and I listen to people talk about Everton and they're like, oh, Everton have improved under their new coach. They've got an identity, blah, blah, blah. Their identity is possession-based football, right? Really yeah. negative-based possession football in their own half, centrally to play. So they play quite central with their possession. It's sideways and backwards passes most often. And if you watch the Chelsea-Everton game, Chelsea pounced on it. They yeah. pounced it with their press, they nicked balls and they were aggressive and Everton didn't know what to do with it and they just couldn't get out. Um, and I, I think from that, and obviously us both playing for, for Everton before, that's not something that Everton's ever done. It, it's yeah. never been their identity. It's never been the way they wanted to play. They're always a team who sort of goes out there, attacks teams and kind of adjusts as the game goes on. So I don't know, I'm looking in terms of the characters with, within the team. Like, there's who none. do you, who, who, I don't none. say that, who do In the Everton team, there's no one that I would look at and go, they've got a bit about them. Literally no mm. one in there. Like, their, their current team, I look at their, like even the way they play with a three at the back or five, whatever you're going to call it, it's more of a three because their wing backs are so high defensively. Mm -hmm. In that transition period, they get absolutely exposed, which they did yesterday in wide areas from Chelsea, scoring I think four of their seven goals from wide areas. So, they just got exposed. They're, they're trying to play what on paper looks like an aggressive formation, but not with a, an aggressive aggressive style of play, in my opinion. 
Obviously, I, don't, I don't think they've got the personnel for it. Nah, they even, haven't got the personnel for it, but I think maybe it's a bit harsh because obviously you look at Chelsea and they're just so dominant. Like you said, having that midweek game and coming like mm. late on getting that goal and then having that late fixture after everyone else's results are banked yeah. and then still coming out and be like, yeah, we don't care what's happening elsewhere. We're just going to keep doing what we do. And obviously having the, the cup final this weekend, they're able to rotate, make subs, half-time, rest people. Um, obviously, we we saw that slight injury to, to Kerr. I don't know if it's just them being a bit precautious. Emma Hayes come out and said it was cramp. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'd be surprised if Sam <laughs> Kerr gets cramp after 30 minutes or 26 minutes. But it, Maybe it's from, maybe from holding the flag this weekend. Maybe <laughs> yeah. she, was, she might have been standing during the, the coronation for so long and dehydrated that maybe... How amazing it, was that, though, that she carried that her? Mate, it was... It was again. It was banging. We we look at it in terms of like how big the women's game is having a sort of profile, not just like whilst playing on the pitch, but the stuff around it, and to be recognised to carry that in the coronation. Like who would have thought the women's football? And her suit was fire, by the way. She always just looks sharp. I don't know who's <laughs> doing her her stylist, but I need a little. I need a bring in at some point mm. if I've got any weddings or stuff coming for the summer. But yeah, amazing in terms of of Sam Kerr mm. and and that Chelsea result. I think who else across the table? The city yeah, result. Right. Can we, talk we, about can't, city? we can't. We can't. We can't come away from that United. Like you know what, Mark Skinner. Like honestly, how he's like when I look at that Man United team because there's not many changes in that team. He's added to it, mm-hmm. and the score effect is much much better in terms of like when I look at their attack, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like Orisa, when she like don't get you know the weekend. Katie Zellum, who hasn't really missed a game this season for Man United, suspended for this game. Orisa yeah. comes in. And in my opinion, was probably one of the best players on the pitch. Like her mobility around in that in that midfield area, I actually think because Ella Toon hasn't played too well of late. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the game, I think it was one of Ella Toon's better game in recent weeks. I yeah, think I she that. she played a massive part in her having that little bit more freedom to go and play the way she did. I think it gives Mark Skinner a, a massive headache for the FA Cup final because when players get suspended or injured, and somebody mm. comes in and they do do as well as Borisa did, which he will know she did, and he knows her capabilities. You've now got your captain coming back from a suspension before a massive FA Cup final, and, they, and they played, and United played well. United were good, and I that means we know we know Spurs ain't been good this year. Earth, like we know they haven't been good, but United just dominated. Golden again, mate. She has been on fire all year, and there's no point in me even saying to you now, do we think you reconsider <laughs> an international call? It's like, happening, but boy, I just sit here sometimes and I'm like, please reconsider, please, reconsider. especially this year, please reconsider. But she ain't, she ain't going to reconsider. I think she's she's very mindful and she's talked about it in terms of the benefits of not having that congested fixture and mm-hmm. her results are exactly showing why she's she's made that decision. And I think just touching back on what you said about Zellum, she's a captain. I don't care who's had a good performance. I don't okay. care. You could, be a, <laughs> you could be a five out of five. Your captain is coming in and they are leading the front line. Like that, she hadn't been playing bad before the suspension so there's no reason to say there's a reason to pull out their first FA Cup final no I know I know I'm like I'm just like Marisa honestly she was so good at the weekend like literally she deserves to come on obviously in terms of like the. I think she deserves more playing time the the thing is like I've been saying all season like obviously Man United are doing really well so it's hard to argue what they're doing and go oh why aren't she playing ahead of her Mark knows what he's doing he's literally the mentality within that team like I listened to him like I think like the psychology of what he's done with that group of players 
like just to go from that kind of like accepting defeat accepting that the top three are better than what they are in that shifting going actually no we are better than them we're as good as mm. them we can compete with them and his interview after the game when uh kelly summers was asking him about you know finishing second or whatever else or chelsea i can't remember what it was he's like no we focus on the next game we mm. want to win everything if we don't win the league or we don't win the FA Cup, like that's failure for them. Like he wants to win everything. So he's changed that mentality, even with the player, like he's he's happy to say, we want to win. We're there yeah. to win. We're not there to make up numbers, which I think that's a shift in what they're actually now saying. And I think I it's even a bit more than that. I think it's a bit more than that because you talk about the players. I think he's instilled that in terms of the whole club. Mm-hmm. in terms of expectations, in terms of yep. fans, in terms of what we're trying to do strategically as a club, where we're trying mm-hmm. to get. And I think the players is just another piece of that puzzle. So yeah. I think he's really looking at the whole system. And I think that's what's great about him. He includes everyone in terms of yeah. the expectations. And yes, the fans should deserve better if they're having a poor performance. But it's not just a sort of one person thing or a, a player thing. It's actually together. How are we moving this journey forward? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's, only a few clubs. I think like Chelsea's definitely had that installed in them. Arsenal, yeah. I think they've just naturally had it from just being the top women's team for so many years in terms of dominance. But with that investment as well, the expectation, and they mm. believe it. Like mm. they believe it. When you when you match them up, player for player against any other team, they can yeah. compete on their on their yeah. day on mm. the bench on on the pitch. So mm. I think it's really really exciting, and I'm just excited to see where we're going. I think we've got one horse that's dropped out the race, potentially. City! City what are you at? Oh, mate. What? But you, oh, uh, <sighs> mad. You know what? Because I actually thought they were that dark horse, that sneak, sneaking up. I said it the other day, midweek, at the Liverpool-Chelsea game. I'm like, this City, no one ain't talking about them. I mean, don't get me wrong, beginning of the season, I said they'd finish fourth. So I'm on track with my with my predictions. Mm. Um, but you know what, Earth? Watching it, it's mad because Liverpool-Chelsea, midweek, Liverpool obviously coming back off the back of a 4-0 defeat to Leicester on the weekend. Beedy was fuming with them. So Matt Beard obviously like had some a few home truths, I guess, in their analysis on the Monday before then travelling down on the Tuesday. Made a few adjustments and actually his formation, formation change and his approach to games because literally Van der Senden and even, even Tash Dawi, who isn't known for pressing, they mm-hmm. were pressing that Chelsea backline. They did exactly the same yesterday to Manchester City. Yeah. And in doing that, City made a mistake for the opening goal. So they're already on a back foot. So yeah. they already conceded. Coombsy, you know, uh, Ellie Robot played it in at centrally to Coombsy. She gets pressed. She bounces it back. It's played short. Tash Tawi pounces on it. So I think Liverpool's approach to the game with that high press, I think is kind of, not not rattled, that's probably the wrong word, but probably I don't think that Chelsea nor City would have expected it from them, given how they've played most of the season. So they've got their early goal. And then, look, although City dominated, as they always do, possession mm-hmm. and, and chances, in terms of, uh, chances they had a lot of attempts at goal, but only so, three on target. Yeah, they had about seventeen shots at goal, three on target. So exactly. Liverpool had more on target, and probably, uh, I mean, look, they, they were clinical. Liverpool, and they'll be disappointed. But yeah, Liverpool, Man City will come away from that literally kicking themselves. Literally, and that, and that's the thing. It wasn't they were played off the park. They were just so sloppy and. Mm in the game and they know it's it's an opportunity missed and for a team like that who like you said have that drive and motivation and have so many winners within mm. their team yeah. they're going to look back at that game as well as others where they drop points but this one in particular and be like that's something that we've definitely gifted in terms of Liverpool mm. but I think like you said Liverpool's definitely regrouped mm. um, and like we talk about they're the team that's just come up last season so they're looking to consolidate in terms of 
what their their style of play, getting their identity. And knowing Matt Beard, he's looking about what's his squad looking like for next season yeah. trying to, and recruitment and proving that this is a team where he wants players to come in. So mm. it's not just about what they're doing now. That's secured. It's about actually we, we should have some expectations about what we do as a team. We are Liverpool football club. Yeah, no, I reckon that, you're right. Comes with that. I already know that from playing under him at Liverpool. He's mm. already searching for new ins in the summer. Mm-hmm. And then obviously there'll be, I would imagine there'll be some outs. Um yeah, of some of the group that is already there. So that's that's an interesting one. You know what, Earth? I want to talk about, I do want to talk about Villa, the relegation. Brighton against West Ham, big game. And obviously, Reading Villa, 5 0 Aston Villa. My team's on the way down, man. You were like, you were like, they were going to win. (laughs) Earth, I promise you, in the games that we played against Villa in the past, right, even when Villa have been in better form than Reading, Reading have always found a way to make it ugly for Villa, difficult for Villa. They certainly didn't do that yesterday or Sunday, whenever it was. They didn't do that. And Villa absolutely dominated. Rach Daly, mate. <laughs> it's the assassin, Rach Daly. Isn't it? Your, your favourite striker. every team at the minute. <laughs> your favourite striker with her one-touch finishing is just Honestly, not giving people a time of day to even She isn't giving people a, a sniff her She's not even giving defenders half a chance to get near her. Everything that comes in the box, she's taking off one touch and it's going in the back of the net, even her opening goal. She's, yeah. she, had to, she was lunging for it. It hits her and it rolls into the bottom corner. Like, anything she touches now is hitting the back of the net. But I think it's her movement. Like, her movement's so sharp to get into areas and she's thinking, I need to get there and hit off one. When she takes more than one or two touches in an area, she rarely scores. Yeah. I'm saying rarely because obviously she scored a couple like that. But most of her goals, one touch and the girl's on fire. But Reddy and Naya going down, man. Don't say that. Well, t- there's two things. I think if you look at, if we touch back quickly on daily, everyone talks quite highly of her from players to coaches. Mm. So it's not by chance that she's having no. the season that, sh- that she is. And I don't think she'll be thinking about golden boot, but it must be in the forefront of her, of yeah, her mind. Mate, she yeah. is topping she's it right now. About it. I don't care. She's, daily, you are well, thinking think, about that. <laughs> I'm thinking about it and I'm not even, I'm not even in her shoes. So. Wait, she's come back from the US after, you know, when she used to be in the US and obviously used to come back to the national team and be a defender, mm. go back to the US for Washington, uh, for, um, Dash. what's it called? Houston Dash. The Dash, yeah, Houston Dash, sorry. Scoring goal, come back, be a defender, go back out, there's a striker. Now she's come WSL, 20 goals, yeah? That's more than the whole of Villa team like, scored last year, 13. Mad. Mad. It's crazy. And but then, Brighton, Earth, let's let's move quickly on. Brighton, their hopes of survival with that three points over West Ham, big. Their their, their new signer, Melissa, is just is Mate. showing up every week, right? Oh my days. Yeah, Ever. They're, 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 no, they're doing well. I think if there's a team the first, where I'm it's the first game they haven't out. conceded a goal in all season. True. So she's tightening them up for sure. As a as a basic, yeah. In terms of we've got, well, we got to do the simple that. things right. She spoke about it, didn't she? Being aggressive in both halves, defensively mm-hmm. and, and in attack and being clinical, which they were, because there wasn't much in the game. And to be honest, they've got players who can turn it on. So it's not like mm. their squad's really depleted, actually. If they get that bit right and keep the ball in front and, and defend well, yeah, I, I can see out of all the teams in the relegation battle, I think they are the ones who are looking more secure. I think not just in terms of what they're doing on the pitch, but in terms of the governance, in terms of what's happening behind the scenes, they look like they've got that infrastructure mm. um, in order to kick on and they're, and they're planning looking forward. You touched on Reading. There's that double header that they've got with Spurs. I think it's the first time they got, the men's team are playing and then mm. the women's team are playing after that. But 
if they if Spurs don't pick up those three points, they're in the yeah. If if Reading win there, that's like whoo. Yeah, who knows? But I actually goal I do, difference. Only got but goal difference though, isn't it? They've still got a better goal difference, so that might yeah, but they might but save got, them. But they've got so Reading have got three games remaining. Spurs have got two. They've got both mm-hmm. fighting for relegation. They've got Reading, and then they've got last game of the season. They got um, West Ham. So they're two big games for Spurs mm. in terms of the relegation. Um, but Reading, yeah, the fixtures obviously Spurs. I can't remember the other one, and then they got Chelsea. I can't remember the yeah, second. But the game. goal difference is so more, much more dominant. Yeah, no, I know. But if the they pick head. up, I, I think Reading have got two winnable games in, as in, as in. Well, they would think that within their group, but they're just low in, look as if they're just low in confidence. But mate, before we go, I know Leicester seems to have pulled their way themselves away a little bit from the relegation. But Arsenal, did you see Freedom Arnon's goal? Oh, they won one nil, obviously against Leicester on Friday Great night. Stuff. But the goal. Oh my days. She's been on fire this season. She's she's been she, considering she the start they started the season without her. She worked her way into that squad, mm. into the starting eleven. And since then she's been a key figure. Both in but, Europe and domestically. So it's not mm-hmm. a thing where like she's having this, she's just showing up here and there. She's mm-hmm. been really consistent. I think because there's so many other big names, she obviously just kind of sometimes goes under the radar. But mm-hmm. her goals, the quality of her goals, they're not they're not tappings. Let's just say Kate that. Will be Kate McCabe. Right? Anyway, after that penalty miss, when I see oh. Kate, what was she missing it for? Mate, that... like, technique. She should not poor, be missing. Poor, poor. I'm like, poor. come on, man. This girl, I love her. She's so techy, and then you do the penalty like that. But then, she's and like, then look... the keeper already dived that way before she struck the ball. <laughs> Mate, she and I was thinking, as a, I'm not trying to give the tricks away, Lefty. but yeah, she, yeah, Lefty. I thought she should have just tucked it away in, in the other corner. Mm. But let's Lefty. not let's not take it away from from Leicester as well. We saw Willie Kirk talk about obviously when he played them earlier on in the season, they lost four 0 and he said he was quite happy with that four 0 loss because mm. they should have got battered by a lot more. And to lose one 0 it shows the progress in terms of the Leicester team um, and how far they've come. And um, they've done some recruitment. They've buckled up in terms of goals. Um, the training looks like it's stepped up a gear um, in terms of that, um, what we saw at the, at the back end of last year. And yeah, it's good for them to hopefully look forward to WSL football, fingers crossed, um, next season and, and building on that. I think that's really, really mm-hmm. important in terms of a team like Leicester um, and the infrastructure in terms of where they're trying to go in terms of the women's league. Um, I think that's it, really, in terms of WSL. Is there anyone so else? Right, to... a few more weeks. Uh, there's, what, three more weekends now before the end of the season. So it's exciting, both top and bottom, which we haven't had in a previous season. So that's what's exciting. I actually think the second to last week is the most important. That weekend where City play United, Arsenal play Chelsea, mm. and Reading play Tottenham, that weekend is massive. Yeah. So looking forward to that. Last year we went to the wire. I think it might be decided just before. Maybe. Um, in terms of that. So, that's the end of our first half. Moving on to our halftime team talk. FA Cup. (laughs) So, FA Cup this weekend. Man United, Chelsea. The two... My team against your team. Should we wear Man United and Chelsea top to the game? I'm working the game for BBC, so I might have to wear it underneath my blazer or something. But yeah, for sure, I'll wear my shirt. Or your blue, or your blue, your special blue knickers. You can wear them. <laughs> I can't wear them. See that I've got them on. Oh, wear you them to wear the game. Like white trousers so you can see them through. Oh gosh, you'd love that. Right? No, no let, let's let's talk about it. Two teams who have been consistent throughout the whole season, oh, yeah. picking up points, um, being dominant, showing just that next level of excellence in terms of their quality on the pitch. Um, I think they've used their squad really well. 
And this is a one-off game. It, it's mm. different to the league. No, There's no prisoners. There's no saving it. Man United trying to be the first time to get their name on, on the silverware. We know their journey from up the women's leagues and there wasn't a team. There was a team. Um, mm. There's been loads of investment from the club. Chelsea always been a name in and around the women's game. Um, as we transitioned into WSL, always been a name that we've looked at and won it several times. What are you saying, Chelsea? I mean, Farrell, without having your biased Chelsea. No, I'm, yeah, do you know what? I, I won't be. I try not be biased. I, I'll try. <laughs> but you know what? I'm excited because, as you mentioned, I, I think for the first time in an FA Cup final in a long time, we actually have the probably the two most informal, most consistent over the season, mm-hmm. actually going head to head at Wembley in what has been announced as a sellout crowd. So we're looking at what eighty plus thousand at Wembley that for a first time of an FA Cup. So that's super exciting for them. Obviously, I think that leads to a little bit more pressure for United, only because it's the first time they've been in an FA Cup final. Chelsea have kind of been to Wembley FA Cup final. No, I'm that's so, his experience. Don't there. Can I just tell you why I'm laughing? Because I just remember right. you saying when you stepped out at the Euros and there were so many people there that you absolutely just froze. So I'm just thinking, is Man United yeah. going to have the same that's experience? What I'm you could, it could be, but, but I also think their squad and you think of their players. So you think of Toon, Russo, Nikita, um, just trying to think off the top of my head. Well, recently, uh, Letizia, she's been within the squad, Katie Zellum. Mm-hmm. So these players have been in the squad that have played at Wembley in front of big crowds. So in terms of that, I think those experiences probably like count for something. Mm-hmm. I think, as you mentioned, they're the most informed team. I think it's going to be a it's going to be a game of goals has to be because both teams are now scoring. Chelsea were struggling for a while to find goals. I think the positives for Chelsea is having harder back mm-hmm. for sure. I think she made a massive difference in their game um, against Everton. I think they've missed her for most of the season, so that's a real positive in terms of their attack because they've lacked that little bit of creativity with all of their injuries in their front line. Um, I don't know. It's, do you know what, it's, it's hard to call because I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past United winning that game. I don't yeah. want to say it's hard for me to really say that, but I actually think they could win it. But I love like, that. I think, I think United could win it. I hope that Chelsea win it just because I'm a Chelsea fan, right? Mm-hmm. So there's my there's my, my heart and head are kind of ruling differently. Um, but Chelsea have a know-how when it mm-hmm. comes to cup finals. Um, they didn't show that in the Conti Cup final this year against Arsenal. I thought they were poor. Yeah. Um, we obviously heard Emma Hayes' comments after some took it the wrong way in terms of saying they've been there for too many times and it, you know you could see that Arsenal were a team what she wants to hope if that's the case they better not act like that in this game now because it's the same you know 100%. is it gonna, United going to show a hungrier you know a hungrier side to them that they're a team that haven't won trophies that want to win because they're going into the game with the same sort of approach because Arsenal hadn't won in four years so yeah. Arsenal obviously looked hungrier now is Emma going to accept that United are going to do that? And, and well, she, you know, she's going to remind her players, you better look back at that, that Conti Cup final because it was poor. It was a poor, yeah. you, you know, there wasn't a player on the pitch that I thought, you know, had a good game. And it's very rare that you say that about Chelsea. So I think that certainly a team talk, the, 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 again, another, I'm saying negative or something that probably plays in the hands of United. They've got a midweek game, mm. Chelsea. Wednesday, I think, is it Leicester or West Ham? can't remember. They've got them either side of the cup uh, final anyway. So they've got a midweek game. Lucky thing for them is at home, Kings Meadow. So they haven't got to do much travelling for that. Um, but they do have a midweek game. Fixture congestion around the FA Cup final for Chelsea. Arsenal, Man United just have their games weekly now until the end of the season. They've already got them in the bank. So one thing I know, Man United will be ready. Mark will have his team. I know that. And I'm just saying, like, I love it that Man United are going to be the underdogs in terms of, like, history. And 
this is the first time where I've actually looked at an underdog and think actually it can go. No, over. they can win it. I agree. But I think they can win. win. Right. So, but you know what? You know, you know, that's really hurting me to roll off my tongue and say that. It's, it's so it's, it's an unheard. There's always one. And our agency as well, New Era, will be gassed if United win. I can't Mate. even I can't even imagine walking into the office like on the Monday or the Tuesday to do the podcast after United beat Chelsea in that. So Chelsea have to do me a favor, mate. If if United or when United win, because obviously I'm a Man United fan, you need to wear a Man United dress. Later, <laughs> you're mad. <laughs> you're mad. You're Into right. the student. No, I I think on a serious note, I'm so excited that there's a team that hmm. hasn't got a trophy cabinet, but actually is still as dominant in terms of putting up a performance um, in the FA Cup. The visuals for me as well, blue and red flags. You know how that we always say about the how they want a northern team and a southern team yeah. to be to be against each other. It looks like all the stars are just aligned. And like you said, that sellout crowd the first time, I think all the stars are aligned. All we need now is just a warm, sunny day so all the fans can come out, Man United fans, Chelsea fans, and just make a whole day out of it. And I hope we have a, a good game of football. I don't know why, mm-hmm. and I don't want to jinx it. I don't, don't, know what, say, it, I, I don't say it. You Should already, I say you it? Might yeah, just say it. I just see a card. A red what card. Color? I don't know. A red card, I know. <laughs> it might be a red card, but it sounds like flagging like you Something's telling me something's gonna get spoiled in terms of like a red card. What well, I, I, I hope I'm wrong. Let's hope it's hope a manager, just... not a player, because we want eleven v eleven on the pitch. If you really think that. Yeah. Okay. Let's just say everyone stays on the pitch. Really. Maybe good the rest game. gets sent off. <laughs> Can you imagine the first of everything? <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm going. Are we are we gonna do a prediction then? What are you going? I don't want to, man. I'm not predicting. No. No, you can. I hold you accountable for it. I'm going two one United. Let's hope not. You're not doing a score prediction. No, Chelsea win. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Some right, then... some point. So yeah, I, I have yeah. definitely actually. It making me reconsider my my score line now because I, I see a few I feel I see a few scores. It's all in both teams, to be fair. No, I see Cuthbert somewhere. I see. Oh, I love Cuthbert. That's what I'm trying to say. It can't just be oh, one goal. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Seven seven. Paris <laughs> <laughs> seven seven. Oh, imagine no, can you imagine if it was yeah. like five four or something ridiculous like that? Yeah, I don't want it to Mate. be that that score line. Oh well. Okay, but so we'll have an FA Cup special. We'll have an FA Cup special um, mm. coming up towards the end of the week. And you've heard it here first. 7-7. Seven, seven. Shut up. That's your prediction. time, penalties, Man United seven, seven on pens. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of our halftime team talk. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Okay, so on to our second half. Um, Looking towards the back end of the season. 
Looking forward to the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and we might not be able to watch the game. Um, it seems like there's a bit of tiffle-taffle happening in terms of TV rights. We've heard Infantino talk about not underselling uh, the women's game, um, wanting TV production teams to make sure they pay up the right bucks like they do in terms of the, the men's game. Um, and I think we're at a bit of a, a loggerhead. So maybe Farrah might not be working this summer. <laughs> Tell us what you're well, thinking, Faz. I mean, I'm hoping I'm working. I'd love to be working for the BBC uh, talking about the, the World Cup, which is, you know, what we expect to be one of the biggest, you know, women's World Cups in, in, in history. So look, let's hope that, that something gets resolved. I understand wanting to make the product of our game better, wanting investment from, you know, broadcasters to show actually they're prepared to help grow the, the game as, along with everybody else. So I do get it all, but... The problem is, Earth, is in recent years, and you know, I can go back as far as when, you know, when you know BBC were like showing the women's game when nobody cared about the women's game, nobody mm. wanted to tune in. BBC was still, you know, putting themselves out there, putting us on mainstream BBC or or whatever, you know, really trying to promote and and grow the game from from back in the day. So it's difficult as well off the back of a successful Euros to then be going I can't even imagine like I don't even know all the, the ins and outs of what broadcasters pay to show and whatever else I don't know um but I can imagine if they're now saying you know both ITV and BBC in England because there's five there's Europe isn't there? there's five across Europe that won't be mm -hmm. showing or that or, or, or they're considering won't be showing mm -hmm. how much they how much more they will be wanting from these broadcasters in comparison to, to, to previous tournaments, you know, for it to be that big and for them them to be at loggerhead. So that's all, I don't really, as I say, I don't really know the ins and outs. As far as I'm aware, you know, BBC and ITV are going to share the rights for the tournament for the UK. Um, mm -hmm. I'm but, hoping but is, to be a part of the, of the BBC broadcasting group punditry. So if not, then, I'll, uh, you know, it's going to be disappointing because obviously we want our game, especially off the back of, a, you know, European championships. We want to show mm -hmm. the game here in the UK. Um but but isn't it just a natural thing in terms of yesterday's price isn't today's price? Like everything, everything, everything goes up, and the, there needs to be that investment. Oh, the in product terms for of, sure. For the investment, in has of the to product be there from broadcasters, all the broadcast. Of course, it does. Like it has to be there. The investment, you know, we don't want. I don't like to compare the men's and women's game and where it's at and whatever, and and how much mm -hmm. broadcasters pay for it. You know, you're not going to expect the broadcasters now all of a sudden, off the back of one European Championship last year, to then go and pay what they would pay in terms of the men's broadcasting fee a year on no we're, like, we're not saying, we're not that saying that. i'm just saying so obviously we want to but look the, the the viewing has to be better right the mm -hmm. product has to be better and how it's delivered has to be better for sure well so I'm in, sure that's in terms in terms of like obviously we looked at the, the the growth in terms of viewings over the was the world cup in france and then the euros that's mm -hmm. gone in england so there's clearly a trajectory in terms of the demand mm -hmm. so i think for them they can't undersell their product and if they're looking at matching prize money and bringing all this stuff in line with the rest of what's going on we have to make sure that actually the funds are available in order to do that so you have their funds what are you talking about fifa they do they're but we've got to look at funds to help them out so they but don't so have to do broadcasters yeah. so tax, taxpayers pay funds to be able to watch to watch the tv and, and to have the good yeah. products that they want to see we don't want to see Nothing at only fools and horses, but we don't want to see run, reruns of that. We want to see football games. We want to see the talent within our country. We want to see that side of the product. So 
mm-hmm. we have to be able if we're going to say we value this we have to invest in it and we have to have these real conversations around it because like you said those women are professionals this is what they're trying to do for their day-to-day profession and, and making progress that way so I think there's definitely a conversation to be had I definitely think there needs to be an uplift in terms of that but actually if we're looking at the European Club Association's recent announcement the players might not even, even, be, might not even be there <laughs> themselves and yeah I think those who don't know but there was a a, a, rele- a press release that was was sent out in terms of I guess one of the key things they were trying to look at was the well-being of players their concern is if leagues are wrapping up around May they're not going to have enough time in terms of recovery before the competition and then from the competition going straight into the 2023-2024 season um, and by the regulations rules they only have to release them what is it the Monday before a tournament like 10 days before, tournament 10 days before um, a tournament's due to kick off which means that actually from a, a, a national team's point of view actually that could hinder their well-being as well in terms of not enough running time teams have to acclimatize um they're not able they're going to have too much in terms of downtime in terms of prepping for that that major competition which we look at the number of injuries we've had before the competitions even kicked off could that then incur additional injuries because actually the demand and the load is going to be too much coming from an off season without that running with national teams Big, big conversation, loads of debates. Mm. We know that there's different from in terms of different sides of the continent. Obviously, in terms of the US, they're still playing. So players mm. are still going to be on the ball. And then for European clubs, it, it's a little bit different. So that they definitely must have that red alert on in terms of what their players will be doing. Did, did, was you ever involved in anything like that? You know, or did you, you know, just turn up and play, Faz? No, but England as a national, we've always, we were always amateur, right? Or, or semi-professional, whatever you want to call it, right? So yeah. obviously building into a tournament, England as a national team would want us to give as long as they can because we'd do like three, four weeks of, you know, pure fitness, go building in to try and get you in peak condition come tournament. Obviously the season would always finish a lot earlier than the tournament would start. So, you know, you'd probably get a week or two off, if that, 10 days before you then start your own training, before you then meet up in camp. And we used to do like a camp, maybe the weekend off and come back into camp to keep your fitness up. Mm. You know, the league finishes 27th of May. Tournament starts 22nd, I think, is it, of July? So that's a long layoff. 20th of July, but England game, when's that? 22nd, is it? First game. Oh, is it the first one? Okay, maybe. No, 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 their first game, I'm saying. Yeah, 22nd. So that's what Mm -hmm. I'm saying. So their first game is 22nd. So finish the 27th, so you've got the whole of June. You got you got three more days in May anyway. You got the whole of June, then you got another twenty two days before the first game. So a long layoff. I understand both sides. They're professional now. I think there's been far too many injuries this season. There's obviously been extra internationals added in. So I think that they're the club international kind of argument that you know against each other where they should be working together. I think the well being of players is the most important for me. And I think, you know, coming off the back of back-to-back tournaments and league, domestic games, whatever, they need a break. Mm-hmm. They need rest. And I think it's evident in the amount of injuries there have been across Europe, across the world, in terms of in the female game, that, you know, they're broken. We're breaking them. We're literally yeah. pushing them to breaking point. So I think that if we want, you know, all of the key players to be going to the tournament fresh, both in their mind and in their body... I actually don't think it's a bad argument that they don't have to be released. Not to say they can't, because, mm. you know, clubs might go, yeah, that's fine with us and you can go, whatever. But I do think the well-being of players has to be at the forefront of this argument or this debate that's going on. 
Definitely. And I think that's the catch-22. We've been sort of banging the drum about that well-being piece. And now they're saying they need a rest. Like, they they can't be overworked. And all of a sudden, it's an issue because there's a big tournament. But then on the flip side, like you said, and I know from the sort of England standpoint, plans would have been in place oh, for, for over two Like, I'm talking years in terms of dates, in terms of times, yeah. in terms of seconds, in terms of you name it, the intricate details that clubs have been planning and countries have been planning, it just throws a spanner in the works. And I think something like this, I think the communication's really poor because surely there should have been some sort of I think, you know what, I do think it throws a spanner in the work with some nations. I don't think all. If I'm honest, I don't think all. I think England over-prepare. They make sure everything, Mm. they're diligent in everything to make sure that, Mm. you know, they they haven't haven't missed anything in terms of their Mm. preparation to make everything right. So I do think, you know, certainly when I played, you know, people were like, what? You've been together five weeks before the tournament? Mm. You've only just met up the other day or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, so I know as a, a, the FA in England, they, we, we do over-prepare. Rightly, rightly bloody so, we want to win mm. a tournament. Yeah. So we want that mindset of we ain't missing anything. We want to give our girls, our women, the best opportunity to go to tournaments and win. Yeah. So from that point of view, I totally get it. And that's why the plans go in and they have all this work put into place. But really, international window is only 10, 10 days before. So but you don't have to. So so I, I get it from both sides. I do, Earth. Like, no, I'm like, but isn't I that understand in terms of the mindset, though? What? In terms of, isn't that in terms of the mindset? We're trying to have an example of good practice. So whether you've yeah, got yeah, good practice or not, also, they don't have consider, have Okay. So, of course, they're going to be like, but you know what? I And I get it because you think, right, if the girls have too much of a layoff in terms of them rebuilding them and getting them built back up, the mm-hmm. peak condition, the timings, there's not enough time between mm-hmm. giving them a good layoff and then actually reworking their body into a... In, so we, they can't have that much of a layoff mm-hmm. because they can't, they can't spike like that going into a tournament because that's also puts them at risk of, like, injury. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. But what's the answers? The players do need rest. So there's no... there's no Whichever way you do it, if, you, if they go to... If they, if they take the rest, go to tournament, get injured, touch wood, it don't happen, mm-hmm. then... They're gonna blame FIFA or UEFA, whoever it is that goes. Well, we told you they didn't need that. They need to do longer. If they stay together with the national team, meet up four weeks before tournament, go to tournament, get injured, or you know even before tournament, as again touch wood, it don't happen. Then, the, then the countries will get the blame for it. So there's no you're in a lose lose or win win or whatever. There's nothing. How do you, how how do you get around it? Because okay. at, at the end of the day, if somebody gets injured, they're gonna point the fingers. So this is a point in the fingers. Mm. You've got you've got the European whatever going. Oh, actually. They need to just stay within the FIFA window. I'm going to point the finger that clubs or, or countries aren't helping their players in terms of injuries, right? So, so for me, the, the the hybrid of good practice is yeah, they they obviously need the rest and recover. You talk mm-hmm. about teams, and I'll just use England as an example. They would have looked turned every stone in terms of preparation. Mm-hmm. So in terms of that recovery, why can't that be done in terms of an international setting? And if they've got all the resources and they've put stuff in place, it's not saying they're just going away with their country and then just continuing and not having that rest. They would have been, they know if there's one, I could speak from intent, if there's one person who's um, area that's looking at well-being and players and recovery, it is our national team. Yeah, so no, I get Resources that. for that, they wouldn't have been doing it in terms of they're going there and still overworking. They would be recovering them down to the, Glucose but Earthwork, Earthwork, you, you heard like, Beth Mead. That's best, pra- that's best practice okay, in terms of a country. Let, let me throw something at you. You heard Beth Mead when she was on mm-hmm. the podcast a few weeks back, right, talking about they're doing that research into um, ACL injuries within a women's mm-hmm. game. And and they were talking about a high percentage of ACL injuries within a women's game is through stress. And mm-hmm. they're looking at the research and, and data and everything around that. Now, 
they've also got to consider that. It's not like going, oh, yeah, we're going to give them the best, you know, we're going to put them in the best environment where we have the best recovery, blah, blah, blah. Players need to wind down. Mm-hmm. The pressures and stress that are in the game now and, and we, uh, all this nonsense around pressures of privilege and all that, that players are stressed out players know that there's, there's pressure with that i know it's i know for some for some of us uh, it is a privilege to have have these pressures on us to represent our nation and all that mm-hmm. it doesn't mean to say it doesn't stress players it doesn't mean to say that it puts them at higher risk because it definitely does so so as as, as, as a national team can, can, you not, can you not create an environment that releases that stress can you not can they not create as a national team an environment where that where there isn't that stress where they you still have the expertise that you need in terms of yeah. the recovery and downtime but you also have that environment in terms of culture and we've seen it and it's something that players in the squad have talked highly about where they just feel relaxed so yes it, no, it I might think not be... do it well Earth. I think they've done it well since Arena's coming I actually think mm-hmm. they've done it well I do I think like when you listen to the players and they talk about it like wanting to be there having enough time having that freedom to you saw them in a year they were in England it's going to be different going to Australia mm-hmm. and New Zealand well, where they spend most of their time in Australia it's going to be different they're not at home they're not on their doorstep where their mum's dad sister auntie yeah. cousin whatever nan granddad can come and visit they're now going to go into a whole different place whole different environment across the pond somewhere that's far away that contact time with family, whatever, is not going to be mm-hmm. the same. So, in terms of that stress, anyway, mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to be in it's going to be heightened for sure. And I think that's and I think that's the point in terms of you mentioning it's not going to be consistent across all the teams. If you had it in terms of a, a good practice and you know that all teams all are going to be doing, doing the right that. thing, we'll do that. Then then you can say yes. But because there is that discrepancy, the the European Club Association have to then do that blanket statement to know that actually yeah. this is what should be done and then if other countries or other things happen differently then so be it but from their yeah. point of view in terms of well-being and to ensure that the players have that downtime and rest time there is that I guess that not necessarily barrier but that there is that statement that says yeah. this is I think as you, you're, you're saying it right there for, for our national team and the FA and what they've invested in the women's team to make it the best possible working environment Right, so that they have, they've literally hit every little tiny percentage that is going to help the players be, be in a better place, whether that be mentally, whatever, physically, whatever it might be. Mm. I think the FA do that right, hundred percent. They do that right, and they and they try their hardest for the players to feel as comfortable and as, as whatever and feel as at home as they can when they're in that environment. But as you say, you think what? How many how many teams are going into this World Cup? Not every nation are like England in terms of their diligence around that. So it's difficult. Yeah. And as you mentioned there, you have to look at it, the, the broader picture and, and how many nations are doing that. Yeah. And that's so, and, 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 and club. So clubs would po- probably want more of that control over their players to make sure that the well-being of them is better than some clubs. I'm not saying all. Again, yeah. another thing, there's clubs that do, do things better than others. And most of the top teams where the national players come from will be doing things better than others, you would expect. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned that in terms of what clubs are doing let's not forget we talk about actually well-being and preserving things actually some clubs are going on tours pre-season yeah. tours they've, they've got commitments in terms That's of what I'm saying right. so not are they resting way, either way you're not are they really that. resting or are they still going to be still <clears> going to be playing still going to be doing stuff and I guess when you look at the technical side of things and what where we're trying to get in terms of best practice it's, as you said it's in Australia New Zealand it's going to take two days for them to get there anyone who knows anything about acclimatisation, that's going to be at least 10 days. So oh. the tournament started. They've not yeah. acclimatised properly. They've been travelling. But be we mad. want the best product. Yeah. Make it make sense. You make it make sense because you I, know how to do that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. But yeah, lo- loads to talk about. 
guys, if you if you've got any thoughts, please let us let us know your thoughts in terms of what should countries, clubs, should we start a petition? What do we need to do? <laughs> who do we need to start lobbying? T- tell us who we need to start lobbying so we can start tagging them in some posts and see if we can shake things up a bit. But I'm glad it is not down to me and Farah because yeah, we'd, we'd definitely be straight on the plane for oh, mate, I'll be there the end of the season, right? <laughs> Next day, no recovery, yeah. out in the yeah. sun. Just play, um, just play. What are they talking just, about? Just play. Just get on with it. Play on. <laughs> okay, and over to our fans' questions. Thank you very much for sending them in um, over the gram. Um, we've got some good ones here that we're going we're gonna to answer. But firstly, we just want to thank a few people in terms of the questions that they've already sent. And we've been speaking about those topics in the pod, so we're not going to repeat ourselves. So we've got Gazelle DC who asks, are we going to have TV broadcasters in Europe for the World Cup, which we've already talked about? We had Gemma Baker who asks, what do you make of the broadcasting rights row over FIFA over the Women's World Cup? Um Clogsy1977 said Tottenham's men and women's double header, good or bad idea, which we touched on also. So some great questions coming in there. Um, but Faz, kick off with our first question um, that we're going to answer. Our first question is from AFC.fanzone. And it's what would happen if a combined WSL 11 played a combined NWSL what we saying? 11? <laughs> what we saying? I you know what? It's it's mad because I reckon it's completely two different uh, mm-hmm. styles, complete different styles. You know what? I'd love it to happen. Definitely love it to happen. Just obviously because we rave about our league and we think WSL is the best, mm-hmm. NWSL think they're the best. I certainly think a home and away game, a two-legged game would be amazing in terms of like fans that will come out. We've I think it's something that should happen. Coverage. If clubs would allow it. The only thing is, is whether clubs would allow it. I'm sure the US clubs, because they mm-hmm. kind of do that all-star yeah. team, don't they? Um, I think it'd be pretty cool. I'm going to back WSL. You know what though. it was? No, I think it is. As the games progressed, all the time, the US always had that sort of fitness advantage over us, and they used to like shut, be able to shut down mm. space. And I don't think technically they was as good um, as us, but I think now with the way that the game's gone over here and the progress that it's made in terms of fitness and um, sort of those mm. sorts of levels, and then adding that to the technical stuff, I can't see them coming over the pond and taking over us. Mate, good luck. As- in our WSL team, by the way, because boy, there's some players that Mate. can be picked from that. That would be a tough pick. Yeah, I think I think pick. I think we'd just pip it though. I think there's no way. We yeah. we are the home of football now, mm, so surely. That. That's what I'm saying. If we lost that, then that's it. Look. I'm just yeah, I'm cutting down. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Um, on to my next question. This is actually a quite interesting one. It's from. Illy, 1.6. When playing, what did you do to switch off from football and was it an easy task? Um, the first thing that pops to mind is, even not just playing, but now, Farah has an obsession with her Apple Watch, yeah? <laughs> and she's always in a competition with me in terms of who can do the most steps. Every time she messages me in the morning, she's already done like 30,000 steps by 8am, yeah? So she's clearly winning. <laughs> Uh, but luckily for me, where I live, I've got loads of stairs, yeah. so I've got I'm always winning in terms of flights. And she's she grills me. She's like, "Have you been up and down from the fridge um, so many times?" So I beat her in terms of flights, um, but in terms of steps, uh, definitely downtime. Fads. Cheating, you're cheating, man. I live in a flat. You live in a house that's like you live in a, a townhouse that's got about twenty flights of stairs in it. So you're up and down oh, to the fridge gosh. every morning. Um, 
what do I do? You know what I was going to say? What when I used to play? What did I do for downtime in terms of switching off from football? I'd come home and watch football. I was obsessed with it. Um, so I probably wasn't. And my partner would tell you that I wasn't that great of switching off from the game. I'd come home and literally yeah. watch football, like an obsessive yeah. geek. But oh well, it, it it probably helped me through my career. Um, but then again, as you said, I, I did like my yeah, walks. I hated kind of watching off. football on TV. Like that Match of the Day was the worst program. You could ask me to watch. I, I only liked. <laughs> I, I promise you, I only you mean... liked watching live football because you know you you can't really see the whole picture on the screen, and I I hated yeah. it. Like because yeah. when you're watching it live, you can see all the mm. different types of movements, and you get to see everything else. So unless it was live football, even now, like yeah. mm, I'm not really a fan of it. I think in terms of downtime. There weren't much downtime, I promise you, because I've done so many things. I remember one, like sometimes leaving a match, still like muddy and kit, going into school on a Sunday, doing some reports like in my kit still before I'd even got home. Um, so yeah, downtime was super limited, but yeah, I always there was always something to sort of plug the gap and any time to spend time with family and friends, which was mm. hardly ever. Um, that's that's, big, big that's what family. we were able to do. You know. So. Yeah, find time, put it in, because well-being is super important. Um, another question that we've got, and this is from Conade. Did you play for trophies or were you motivated by something else? What you said? I... <laughs> no, you know what's difficult? Obviously, you play because you want to be the best, right? So, firstly, you wanted to be the best I could be. Um, and obviously you want to win trophies with that. You think by being the best and, and playing with the best that you will achieve that. And and sometimes that don't happen. But obviously when, when I played, you know, I had a, an opportunity to go to Arsenal at the time and they were the most yeah. successful women's team. But also I was playing for England and I was like, what's going to keep me the most competitive uh, and keep me at those levels I needed to compete at England? And I probably could have still gone to Arsenal and probably should have in reflection in terms of mm-hmm. if I wanted to get all the trophies. I ended up going to Everton and, and trying to make it competitive. Um, I won some trophies there, probably not as many as I would have if I would have gone to Arsenal, who were the best at the time. Um, but I felt like I still had a good career. So I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. I wanted to be the best. Um, and being the best don't always mean that you're going to win trophies along, to, mm-hmm. you, you know, with that. Um, obviously, I was certainly motivated in every competition we entered, FA Cup, League Cup at the time. And the Premier League, you or at the time, you you wanted to win it, so it was difficult. You want to win, but sometimes you've Let got to accept you, that. Let me tell you, at Charlton, happen. yeah, we had this thing called Celebration Cup for a pack, a, a box of celebrations. Yeah, I wanted to win everything, like any trophy, any any competition, and like you said, it's a mixture of two. Again, just wanting to be the best that you can be. But let me tell you, if there's a prize, yeah, and my teammates could tell you at Charlton, yeah, I'm there. used to say, because obviously then the broadcasting like weren't great in terms of women's football. But every time there was some sort of TV or cameras, they're like, Erfa, it's a fix. How have you got player of the match again? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, there's a bottle of champagne to be won here. Like, what? Remember? I'm not coming yeah. here just to run up and down. There's a prize to be won. And if you don't want to win it, I'm trying to win that prize. Okay. So, yeah. You know, like small sided earth at the yeah. end of like training and all that. Like I'm went, like I'm not losing that. And you know what? You know what the worst thing? I've become so competitive at it. Is up? that people's like they're, they're like they're wanting me to fail. They're like wanting me to lose. Like every every time, no matter. Like it got to a point where people didn't want to be on my team because everybody wanted my that team. That was to celebration lose. cup. <laughs> I'm you. banned in the end. I would do everything. You know, like one of them when you're losing, it's like you, uh-huh. the ball's yours. That's it. 100%. I've got to go and try and do whatever. I'm competitive. And then yeah. last yeah. one. But yeah. So we're slightly motivated then by slightly, prizes, right? Don't matter the prize. Um, 
Last one yeah. from Maggie underscore Fahili. What's the funniest teammate pranks? Me. Oh. I'm always pranking. Now, do you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I can't even remember, but I know that I always used to be the one that would be trying to get up to some sort of mischief, um, doing stupidness, getting myself in trouble. Uh, do you know what if I just love just hiding behind doors or whatever it was and just filming people and just jumping out like that would make me laugh like from the morning from 8am until I finish training I'm making sure I'm laughing at jumping out on people like I swear it's the funniest thing like that I would do it just make me laugh I love laughing so like trying to like make myself laugh from doing something that's stupid do you know, I'll be do you know trying what comes to, do to mind it. remember when we was at Arsenal Academy yeah so we had oh we had days, trainers and the losing team had to put away all the kit. And you know me, I'm always trying to navigate and find my way out. So this training session, I zipped like we we lost we lost whatever the, the last whatever winning winning goal. I should be telling Go the story on, yeah because you're so them, bad. <laughs> Basically, yeah, Eartha's team lost. Yeah, so you know how she's so competitive. She lost the game. So her team had to be the ones that go and pick up all the cones, all the equipment, and it was absolutely pouring with rain. It was stinking on the field, like cows. You could just smell them, everything. Next thing, Eartha disappears. No one can't see Eartha. So pretty much the whole team is like, Fred was our coach. You're like, Fred, like, Eartha, you need to discipline her. You need to make sure you do this. And we're literally cussing Eartha, like cussing her, cussing her. We get to the kit bag. We're all around the kit bag. Who unzips himself from the kit? Eartha Pond. She unzips herself and is like, what, guys? Anyway, let me tell you, all of us girls, we must have sprinted in every kind of direction out there Mate, to get away from snitches. They were trying to bring me down, boy. They were like, she's not doing it. It's not fair. You need to discipline her. And all the time I was there, so I know who my real friends were, yeah? All... I wasn't saying nothing ever. All the snitches were trying to get me in trouble. They don't want to see me win. See, this is what I'm talking um... about. Yeah. But you lost. I did. You should have been cleaning up the things. You lost. I, I had to carry it. Where in the bag? You didn't self drive from the rain after that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, well thank you. you. Thank you for your questions. Um, we look. We well. We enjoy this section in it in terms of interacting with our fans. You don't have to wait till our pod. You can send some questions in in advance. So please feel free to do that. Thank you for You're joining us up. on our episode of Boots, Balls, and Bras. And we will see you for an FA Cup special. Look out for yeah, that um, in so. the week. Um, and a Man United win. Thank you. Bye. Ciao. Chelsea. Chelsea. <laughs> Later, people. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.